Welcome back aboard the My Cigar Pack Podcast Express. I'll be quick here. We're joined by Vlada Stoyanov of Kazdagli, and this one was an awesome conversation that you're really going to like. Enjoy. So it's awesome to have you on board. You can consider the episode started. And uh, it's nice to have you on board, man. But I need to know, what are you smoking? You said it's not the Daughters of the Wind. which it's not. This is... Um, I was in Costa Rica visiting IGM and in Caracas, Costa Rica in the uh, first week of April, or April, sorry, January. I'm already thinking about my April travels. Um, basically, this is a new line that Jeremy and I are working on. I won't uh, give you a lot of information apart from the fact that it's going to probably release around PCA. Mm. So just around the It's corner. going to be really, really limited. Um, the stuff that was already made for the two blends that will show off. Um, we might show it off at PCA and then actually ship uh, later in the year, specifically because we want stuff to, to be at least aged for a year. Um, there's going to be two blends and they'll be named after, I won't spoil too much of the story, but there'll be two blends in total of four formats. They'll come in eight count coffin boxes, absolutely beautiful. Um, there'll be a charity, I guess, charity portion of it too that ties in with the whole story. Um, it's based around, not based around, it's, it's a, basically Jeremy's family story from uh, World War II. And you know you can, you can look at the articles <laughs> and all kinds of things and just kind of look at it. Um, but this is a blend, this is one of the two blends and this uses that Peruvian pinar uh, that can be found in Daughters of the Wind, uh, but it's an extended right to a seven by 50, well, seven by 48 at this point, because it's combed and box pressed. Um, I've tried the sample about a month ago, so I'm retesting this a month after. I did drop it, which I don't know if you guys can actually see it, but I did drop it because Butterfingers. Uh, but that being said, I don't think this will attack. I can't help but marvel at how squared that press is on it. Did you guys? It is. Did you guys mold the the bunch and then roll the the, the wrapper on, or no? So this was uh, it gets rolled like it usually does, but then it gets basically pressed. It, it's just super old school. The the pressing can take anywhere from I believe ten to twelve days is what Jose said, which is like insane, right? But you get this super angular the first time we did it for the uh, for the Pony Express for Maximars, right, exclusive. This was, sorry, time has no meeting, meeting during Corona. So this was back in 20, yeah, 2019. And the box press was so, so sharp. You could move your finger and like cut yourself. It was like a paper cut, but worse. Really? Um, so we were like, uh, maybe make it a, touch less aggressive and they're like all right we'll work on it uh really just really super old school way of doing it and you know box pressing depending on how you know how i guess how aggressive you want it to be like how square you want it to be you can go anywhere from you know a day or two to more than that um or less obviously but this one takes i wish i have it written down somewhere i think it's like over a week basically and i'm like holy shit like this takes time um, and the factory loves doing it because they're so proud of like how well Pony Express did, but they also hate doing it because it's such a pain in the ass process ultimately. 
Well, I'm going to interject here and mention... Ooh, the Grand Marie with gold. Yes, sir. This is actually the first cast Dagali I've, I've had. Uh, when I joined the MCP team, Alex sent me a bunch of cigars, and this was in my November pack, which is assorted. And uh, this is the first cigar I actually ever talked about. At wow, MCP. that's impressive. I, 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 I now have to go back and look at the episode. Oh, no, wait. I, he did actually send me that one. November. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He did. I loved it. Uh, I know Jeremy and Trina, right? They're, they're in Europe. They looked at it and they're like, this is awesome. I really loved it. I know they shared it. I'm terrible when it comes to social media, not because, you know, like, oh, I'm terrible at social media, blah, blah, blah. It's just not it's not me. Like, I'm not the one. Like, I'll share stories and stuff like that. But, like, my last post is from, you know, three weeks ago or, like, four weeks ago. I'm just, like, I'll comment. And mostly with friends and family, I'd be like, yes, queen. And, you know, like, throw a fire, you know, fire emoji there. You know, go back and forth with, like, Hunter from Sir Louis or. Um, and blowy smoke you know, smoke. Yeah. And, like, you know, send stuff to Alex because it's just, I'm really impressed with well, I guess you you helped with a portion of it too, right? Where, well, you know, on the, the my cigar content. pack, my cigar yeah. pack Insta, I don't I don't do much there. I'm actually not a social media guy. I'm I'm a media bro. So, huh. so yeah, the, the way it works is I create media, uh, multimedia mm -hmm. stuff, and every once in a while I'll get into the social media and upload it myself. But that, that really isn't my special my my specialty. You know, it's it's creating content. But uh, yeah, you'll see me on there every once in a while. I'm, I'm just so impressed with the amount of consistency is the right word. The fact that, you know, day in, day out, it's always something new. There's content coming out. He's posting something, right? Whatever it is, there's something going on. And I admire it because I've tried doing it for like three days in and every ounce of my body was just like, mm, like, this isn't you, buddy. Like, you can't keep doing it. You're forcing um, it, right? Yeah, but then... I got a, so yesterday, the day before, I think it was the day before, uh, I was with Hunter on, on a live, and I told how I met this guy in, in Philly who had the Instagram account, Vlad the Retro Kid. And I'm like, this is perfect. Like, this is fantastic. Like, I wish I came up with this. Um, and someone goes like, the account isn't active anymore. Like, it's open. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I might actually snag that and try to be, like the best social media version of myself. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't, did you? <laughs> I did, I did totally grab it. Like, yeah, I, I opened it like this morning. I'm like, I will try to channel my inner Alex and try Wait. to like actually post and do something. So um, may, maybe I'm just that distracted and I looked you up by your name, but Vlad the Somme, like the sommelier, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I do that one because it's, yeah, it's, it's like an age-old account, and I'm like, oh, how should I, you know, put something interesting, right? And I'm like, oh, let's put this on, like, it's very easy to pick up, and then it just kind of became a thing, and I'm like, oh, okay, just roll with it. Um, I need to ask you about your last name. Is it pronounced Stoyanov? Yes. Good. Yeah, so J is red as a Y, uh, right? So in Serbia, much like the, the, easy, the easy explanation is the, the northern portion of the country. So it's, if you look at the map, there's the Sava and the Danube rivers, right? So both big international massive rivers. And the northern portion of the country historically was controlled by the Austro-Hungarian Empire, right? So much like 
say in Scotland where you have Mac Mount Mullen, for example, right? Like, or that's probably Irish, I don't know. but like Mac means of, right? Like someone's kid. I think so in the north. I think the Scottish are are muck muck stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the the, the right comparison. And if I insult anybody's Irish or Scottish heritage, I'm sorry. It just shows my lack of like my ignorance. Um, basically, what it means, right? Of someone's right, like someone's kid. So what that means, OV, the, the end of my last name, OV means that one of my ancestors, probably you know, three four hundred years ago, his name was Stoyan. So I'm like of Stoyan, right? Like Stoyan's uh, kid. And then it just kind of translates. And it's funny when you go back and like you look for the family tree on my dad's side and write your name. Um, I think it happens, I guess DR someone like that, right? Like a lot of Latin American countries do that as well, or it's like, yeah. hey, you name your kid after your dad or your grandpa, right? So it's kind of yeah. like you can follow along. So literally for like 300 years, it's like, Peter Lazarus, Peter Lazarus, Peter Lazarus for like literally, you know, 200 plus years. Then my, my older brother got born. My mom was like, you know, hard no, like iron curtain no. She's like, no, <laughs> he won't be Alexander. Uh, and then he named me Lot or Vladimir. So I was like, oh, okay, there you go. Broke a line. So, so Vlad and Vlada are nicknames. Your name is Vladimir. Yeah, um, Vlada is actually my full name, right? Which is a nickname of Vladimir. That still works in, you know, you have Vlad Dracula, right? Like, so that works and you know, I'll, I'll lean into it and just make big jokes about it. My, okay. my favorite though is going to Starbucks. Like Mike, and I've spoke to a good friend, uh, Carl. We end up talking, he's like, what's the weirdest like people get? So aside from like Vlad, you know, whatever, like, like that happens at Starbucks, but my favorite ones are when I get like Glenn. And I'm like- <laughs> At Starbucks? Sir? Yeah, I'm like, sir, ma'am, like, there's four letters you managed to somehow make it five, and you only hit one. Like, how? I'm, I'm like, genuinely confused. How? It's, um, it's. I think it's. I think they've revealed like, behind mm -hmm, the scenes, like mm -hmm, employees, mm -hmm. they do it on purpose because it gets people talking about Starbucks. Probably, probably. And then, the guy or girl behind the counter probably looks like, it looks like a glen, like, from. Wisconsin <laughs> from Wisconsin I don't know like never been to Wisconsin so I'm just kind of making <laughs> all I know is that it's far too cold for me to spend a day there in the winter so on that note talking with Alex yesterday or the day before he goes man it's a little chilly in here and I'm like huh it's like 62 in Vegas right now he's like man it's a little chilly it's like 69 right now. <laughs> Dude, like seriously, chilly. Well, I'm doing Celsius right now, but let me check. Let yeah. me check my my thermometer. Well, let me convert it quickly. Right now, in in uh, so the easy way to convert it to uh, Fahrenheit is like multiplied by two. Add and again, it's not exact, right? And add like 30, 30, 32 or thirty six. I forget, but it gets you like within the range, right? So right now it's twenty two degrees here, partly sunny. So that doesn't sound right. Twenty-two Celsius. That? Yeah, right? so it's like eight. Yeah, so it's like around eighty, right? That's gonna be that's gonna be my back of the envelope math. So let's convert it. Let's consult Google. Well, I've got mine, and I'm sitting at what we'd call here a chilly night, which is eighty mm -hmm. degrees Fahrenheit. That's a chilly oh, night for us. Chilly okay, night. So it's, well, here, uh, which is uh, 
27 Celsius. Okay, so that's right. So it's you add 32 and then add nine, five, nine and nine down. fifths. It's like I'm just gonna call it like times two, and that works. Yeah, that's it's like 1.8, right? Rather than two. So I was off because I added 36. So if I just did it with like times two plus 32, it would have been like 74, 75, and it's 72. Whatever. You know, that's actually not as complex as uh, like we're making it sound complex because we're going back and forth. But this is pretty straightforward and you could get around no, the imperial units are not straightforward. No, like no, the conversion. Oh, the yeah, conversion. yeah, yeah. The conversion is like relatively. But still, it, it's like I, I watched I, uh, a random like I, think I don't like, like imperial skit where it's like, hey, and the guy just breaks it down. It's like the Germans, right? He's like, oh, it makes very, very simple, like. Millimeter is 10 times smaller than centimeter. Centimeter is 10 times smaller yeah. than decimeter. Decimeter is 10 times smaller than meter. And like yeah. everything's times 10, like very, very simple. And then you have, well, yes, if you use a foot versus whatever, like a mile, but there's also a nautical mile, but there's also an imperial mile, which is completely different. And then there's, and he's like, how does this, any of this make sense? It's, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like freedom units. Okay. And they're, why are they even called freedom units? It's, it's like... That's like a tongue-in-cheek joke, right? Yeah. Like, there's only two countries in the world that use it. It's the U.S. and I think, I think like Vietnam or something. Like some random country also uses it, right? But the inner joke is like, you know, freedom units. It's America. So, it's not invented in that, the States. No, no. But it's, it's one of the few, right, like still use it. And the rest of the, the, rest of the world still uses it or it's transferred to metrics. That being said, most stuff is in both, right? So you have like 16.2 ounces or whatever equals 500 milliliters, like half a liter. And most of the stuff, because anybody who's making stuff here will typically make it for Canada or Mexico as well, right? So you can find stuff in both Spanish or French, depending on, you know, so they can cover everything. And then you have both metric and, and imperial units. It's hilarious um, here, though. But it's funny. I've been here for seven years, and I still don't know. Like, I still have to guesstimate. Like, okay, gallon is like three point seven liters. Uh, so if I get, <laughs> I'm like, I know what my gas tank holds. So if I like, right, I'm doing a trip from Las Vegas to uh, L.A. Right, and I typically, I know it's like two hundred something miles, which translates to like four hundred kilometers, which is basically one tank. Um. I'm like, okay, like, let me trans, like, let me do the back of the envelope calculation so they don't have overfilling. And there, and people laugh, like, why do you always walk into the cashiers in Vegas and like swipe your card? Well, Vegas, and this is like an easy tip for anybody traveling here do not ever, ever, ever use a card on a gas station in Vegas. It's like one of the number, number one, not, uh, I think it's number one spot in the US, but definitely like top spots in the world for getting your stuff skimmed. I've really? used it once in two years, two and a half years that I've been living here, and my card got skimmed. So someone ended up buying, I think, like a seven hundred dollar ticket on Spirit. And wait, wait, wait. Uh, how, yeah. how would how is a Spirit ticket seven hundred dollars? Well, that's that right. Like I called it in, and I'm like, man, this is you know a fraudulent transaction. She's like, well, you know, what kind of tipped it off? I'm like, ma'am, it's a seven hundred dollar Spirit ticket, like. <laughs> Like, where are they flying to the moon? Even then, they probably didn't, like, you know, they didn't probably didn't pull like two check bags. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the. Maybe it's a family trip. 
yeah, yeah, possibly. I don't know, but it's like right. They got the spirit, and the other one was like Delta, and you know, like they wouldn't they wouldn't disclose anything. They obviously care about the their fraud investigation. Everything's fine, but it was still like what tipped it off. I'm like, I don't know. The fact that it's seven hundred bucks on the spirit. It's it's just weird that they're going for flights because that's not something one you can get immediately, and two, uh, like why would they buy well, flights? So here's what, um, here's how my buddy who's a lawyer and did fraud investigation for banks. Um, here's what he said. Basically what ends up happening, your card was probably skimmed. It was sold under, you know, like sold in a group of other cards, right on the dark web. And typically it was probably either used for some type of fraud, human trafficking or like prostitution, right? I'm like, oh, cool. I'm super happy to be linked with this. And I'm like, you know, but they're still leaving a trace, right? Like you have to fly, like they get your name and everything. He's like, yeah, but if they get caught, the skimmer versus the person who sold it versus the person who used it is, you know, seven degrees removed from everything else. So, you know, just, it is what it is. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that makes sense. That's like the best explanation of her. The other thing could be like, you know, someone splurged on a, I don't know, two check bags on spirit. Two check bags. That's a good one, like 700 bucks hmm. on square. I got the countries that use Fahrenheit, by the way. It will be the US of A, the Cayman Islands, okay, Palau, the Bahamas, and Belize. Cool. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a pretty much Western thing. It kind of makes sense, right? Because the Imperial units are from the UK, and the UK had a presence in all of those countries, right? For a colonization standpoint, right? Yeah, um, yeah, basically. Uh, Palau, uh, I think is the only one who, uh, now, now I'm the ignorant one. I don't know if Palau, I think it's uh, South Pacific. Mm -hmm. Micronesia here, I'm totally Googling yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is in the South Pacific. Uh, Western Pacific, actually. Western South Pacific, yeah, well, it's whatever, right? The point is that uh, you guys got to get into into metric. Come on, uh, here, I'm like one. I'm completely down for it, and it just makes sense. The, the U.S. is such a powerful country; it has such a heavy influence in its uh, with its neighbors. So think about it this way: here in the DR, we're a tiny country; we import pretty much everything. So we fill our gas in gallons. We drive our roads in kilometers. We buy our pipes in inches, but we lay down our blueprints for houses in meters. So it it is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. So so it's mixed, which is the worst kind. Like people say, people who are fully metric are like, "Oh, imperial is the worst." No, mixed is the worst. Mixed. Hundred percent. The, the only thing that kind of helps is that when you're doing relatively standardized things, right, especially anything relating to science, building things, right, it's typically, it's all, it's all done in metric. And even here, like the, the standard sizes, right, the standard editions helps overall, right? Like you use a certain diameter for your pipe in, right? Like pipes, it's, it easily translates to whatever it is, you know, like 12.6 millimeters or whatever, right? Like, so it'll easily translate and, you know, like, oh, okay, it's, X by Y, like, oh, we know what it is. It's like a sixteenth um, of an inch is a two mil, which is. Yeah. And then, okay, so we can bring it to the cigar industry too. 
right? So you're typically using rain gauge, right? Which is 1 64th of an inch for whatever reason. And then, uh, right, you'll sometimes use it in inches, but if you go to Europe and like you're treating, the, the, looking at the Cuban portfolio, even in their Habano Sumelia competitions, you're getting all those in millimeters, right? So you might get a, you know, 127 millimeter by 20 something, right? Like circumference. And then like transferring that into inches back into like what it is, like from an actual size standpoint, which I believe that is a corona gordo. Don't quote me on it. Like, which you said is your yeah, favorite. Yeah, I think. Yeah, let me see actually. One, what did I say? 126 millimeter to 20. Cigar size. Okay, that is. That is now I'm like kind of interested because I completely pulled it out of my ass. Oh, I've got a question while you look it up. I've got a yeah. question for you and it's going to be good. If uh -huh. forced between a Corona and a Toro, why would you pick Corona Gorda? Uh, huh. So Corona Gorda and Toro are technically interchangeable, right? <clears throat> um, what is really, you know, Cuban versus the rest of the world. When you say Corona Gorda, typically that's like five and five eighths by, by 46, right? But the Corona typically, Corona Gorda really just expands for the Toro. It, it's accepted to be up to like six by 52 or six by 50, which is a more, yeah, six by 52 is typically the more classical format, right? Especially for let's call them, you know, non-Cuban cigars. <laughs> um, I like smaller ring gauges for, whatever reason you know i grew up in europe and it was very rare that <coughs> sorry i just inhaled a bunch of smoke it was very rare for happen smoke uh you know larger ring gauge cigar cigars primarily because i was you know learning and smoking the cuban portfolio which really up until what five six years ago when the hikis really like took off which is like what 2012 from 2015 where it really like started going through the roof um you know, the PK-56 was one of the largest cigars in the portfolio. Very, you know. It's most rare of the for stuff. Cubans to be big. Yeah. And, you know, they figured out, okay, this is what the market is looking for, and we're going for it. And for me, it's such a classic size um, that the Corona Gorda that you mentioned, I kind of pushed Jeremy to do it. And one of the reasons that I, that I threw out as a, you know, as a reason for putting in the Villa Castagli portfolio for, from the get-go is that ultimately... We're, we're, up to, we're like very traditional in, in, in our sizings. Like we have four four Lanceros in our portfolio. Um, you know, we have a full line dedicated just to Coronas, which, which you're smoking, the Club Mareva line. Great. Uh, Mareva is actually a, a, a lot of people are confused. Like, why would you call it Mareva? Mareva is just a factory name for a Corona, right? So you have two names, right? Vitola de Salida, which is your actual sales, right? your Coronas really? and whatever else. And then Vitola de Galera, which is the actual um, factory name. So I right. thought this was named after uh, it is right uh, after Marcos Club, but Marcos Club in turn is named Alluding. after Corona, right? It. So it's a it's a one of those uh, you know ch chicken or, or egg kind of questions. Well, it's obviously oh. the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> or, or two. Okay, what did I say? I said one twenty six, right? Uh, one twenty six by twenty millimeters. So I am not finding anything. So I completely missed the mark. There's one cigar that's that size. It's called a Demi Tip, 
which is a 126 by 29 ring gauge. And now I, think I have to get into the conversions. One, folks, for the folks at home, 126 millimeters is five inches. Right on the money. Okay, so it's, if I do 29th of an inch, Ninth of an inch is seven, yeah. So 126 by seven millimeters uh, circumference, which typically counts as a small pentatel. All right. So I definitely did not qualify for the final <laughs> competition right then and there. Well, it's not a competition. We're just having a nice chat. So, <laughs> so, so that works, dude. I've been thinking about you mentioned the daughters of the wind and and. and when I first read about that cigar and the story behind it and the Bedouin uh, inspiration and the time period too, what immediately came to mind was Lawrence of Arabia. Was he yeah. like, is that Lawrence of Arabia cigar? Is so it, it the, the story for those who are unfamiliar, right? Or the poem rather. So it's from, I think like 200 years bc like something like that right very very old like thousands of years old and it's an old arabic poem that basically extols the virtues of their horses so arabian racehorses being you know old renowned and basically the benchmark um the story goes that while they were nomadic they came up on an oasis right they don't have a permanent placement so they're traveling with their you know horses and, and everything with them so they come up on an oasis they let the horses run free and drink the water and only the four came back so those four are the original four that were domesticated, and you can you know trace the lineage of every Arabian racehorse back to those original four. Um, and out of those four, the Dachman was the most prized. So the first Vitola we made, and we, I want to say, uh, called it uh, generously called it a Toro. <laughs> it's a seven by fifty, seven point one by fifty six. Uh, so extended Toro Grande, I guess. Like, I'm not really sure what it would be. Well, I, I know some factories, well, specifically one that I worked in, would call that mm -hmm. Gigante. Mm -hmm. That's actually a good name for it. And that was the, the, the toll that it was originally blended to. And then the rest of them came under the Sabino, the Calico, the Carmelo, uh, and then Sabino, Calico, and what am I missing? Rabicon. So each of those particular names refer to the type of spotting that the, that the horses have. So Calico is white spots with brown. Uh, Rabicano is black spots interlaced with white spot. I remember, like, I might be wrong, all wrong on this. Please, I'm looking it up as you say it. Uh, the Cremelo basically looks, and I'm sure everybody's seen that little, uh, like, super beautiful looking horse that looks like Rihanna's, like, Fenty, like, makeup stuff right like the one that just looks like photoshopped um you know carmelo is basically that okay let me look at let me look it up carmelo arabian right mm -hmm. okay oh so ooh. carmelo carmelo uh it's like a horse, horse made of butter like the cream gene yeah and it's relatively rare and if you google it it really looks it kind of looks like and i'm not doing it justice but probably, it kind of looks like a latte right like yeah a little like a, bit of like a lot more uh milk than actual coffee 
So you get this beautiful, almost, you know, white cream colored mocha horse. I'm going to steal some pics off the internet and show the folks uh, right sure. over our heads. If, if they're watching in video, if, if they're listening to the podcast, well, mm -hmm. uh, pound dirt, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but and uh, there's, so all of them are named after various, you know, shades and spottings of horses. Um, and I met a few people who, you know, either breed their own horses, you know, race them, whatever. And when I told them, they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I know about this. And I'm like, oh, like, cool. I, you know, you probably know more about this than me. I actually looked up the original poem on, on right, the original Arabic poem, and I found the translations and I asked some, um, right, like people who speak Arabic to see if the translation is right. He's like, yes, but you know, when you translate stuff from English to Spanish or Spanish to English, yeah. you lose something. Whenever you translate, you Especially have to a use, poem. Absolutely. You lose both the structure, the meaning. Yes, some translations are really good. Um, you know, I read... Uh, what is it? I read uh, Hemingway's like a movable piece, right? It's one of my favorite like Love biographical brands. It's absolutely fantastic. I've read I've read that book a bunch of times. Uh, For whom the bell tolls is Dude, is very like on the money. Journalistic my reporting. My favorite uh, Hemingway is uh, A Farewell to Arms. That mm -hmm. oh, it's fantastic. Gut wrenching, but it's amazing. It. It truly is for me. I have to put for whom the bell tolls over it just because of the twist at the end that just completely came out of nowhere. I was like, what the fuck? Which we like, won't spoil. Were, yeah, yeah, of course. But it was like, you like had me there and just like I fell in love with Spain and I've never been to the country, which is silly because um, I've been to most countries in Europe. And one of my, I, I have, I, have, I guess like an imagined romantic version of Spain because I have a bunch of Spanish friends and I, when I lived in Mexico, I worked with a couple of Spanish friends and I love Spanish wine. So I talked to a winemaker there and he goes, I'm like, you know, you guys are in their commitment to, to so most of their wines tend to age extensively in oak, which is just an old school, um, basically way. So I have to take a little tangent and go with my ADD kitty. So this is what this is all about. Like, so we don't have to talk about cigars, <laughs> which actually most of what we talked about has, has been like the stuff that goes around the stories that mm -hmm. the cigars tell. So, I mean, this is what we're here for. So, so go, on, Spain, go on. Spain for one has been so, so instrumental when it comes to tobacco, just to give people an idea of how instrument, instrumental tobacco is, you know, over in, for the overall expansion of the Western world, Spanish have made more money from tobacco than gold in you know, the 500 years that they've been taking out out of Central and Latin America in general, right? So they made more money out of tobacco than taking stuff, taking the gold out, right? Like more than that. The reason why, which again, makes kind of no sense because US to an extent wouldn't be successful if the original like, Virginia exploration, right? Like colony didn't start growing tobacco. Like that's how they made their money. So for me to see all this like random tobacco legislation being push through like yes i agree you know you shouldn't have 15 year olds smoking cigarettes and all that like i agree like i think you should you know make your make your choices once you're you know legally an adult but i also don't know any cigar store that's like regularly visited by 18 or 20 years which is such a stupid argument to make then again i'm european and you know like we'd have my introduction to alcohol was at a family table 
like my mom or dad were like, hey, do you want to try like a sip of wine while we're drinking? I'm like 12. Like, yeah, here's a little bit. Like, this is how it works. So by the time I was, and obviously I started going out as a teenager. So by the time I was, I got to the States, the first, or third time around, I was like 21. For me, I like legally drink. I'm not getting drunk because, man, that was five years ago. <laughs> like that so, portion so of let's it. give, let's give, uh, let, let, let's brief life story. You grew up in Europe. Mm-hmm. And you moved so, to the States around when? Uh, 2015. So I, uh, I have a hospitality degree in a, in a hotel, sorry, a hot, hotel management slash hospitality degree and I have an economics degree with a focus on tourism. So and originally I wanted to be a chef and because I went to, there really isn't a, an equivalent in the United States to what I went to, but it was basically a sports gymnasium. So it's a, it's a uh, general education high school, right? And when you're going to what, what's called a gymnasium over them, you have two different ways. You can do focus on humanities, right? So it's a four-year school and you have, you know, the first two years you have everything, right? So you have math, science or math, biology, chemistry, like all those things. And then year three and four, you lose those subjects, but you get more things like, you know, you get uh, literature and philosophy and sociology and like a bunch of these humanities-driven sciences, right? And then if you go the science route, the opposite happens, right? So you lose, or you also get a secondary or third language actually in a, in a humanities one, right? So it's a, like, if you're in STEM one way, if you're in humanities yes, the other. exactly. So it kind of splits, but it's high school, right? So it's like 14 to 18. Oh, so you make that choice in high school. Yeah, you actually, so you do elementary school. So that's ages okay. seven through 14 or six and a half to 14, basically, or 14 and a half, right? So you, once you're done with your elementary school, you basically take an entrance exam, right? You put your wish list together and you say, okay, I want to go to um, high school, well, middle school. I guess middle school is a better name for it. Where you're, or no, high school is the right one. So you're kind of going to, okay, I want to do economics or I want to do a trade or I want to do a gymnasium, which kind of leaves you open to everything, right? So there's three or four that are like general. So you don't go STEM or humanities. You have both. So I had like two years of Latin. I had like uh, two years of like philosophy, sociology, history, geology, right? Like I had all four years of chemistry, uh, biology, uh, what else? Like physics, uh, math, right? Like like stuff that you will learn here at college level. That was basically done in like second year of high school. It just goes, you know, like I'm never going to use like polynomials and shit. But like I have them somewhere locked in my brain. Probably I couldn't do it to save my life, but it's there. Um, so. <laughs> Right. Like I decided after four years of that, and I'm like, at 16, I was still training. So I used to train rowing and I was still training rowing. So I started working in a restaurant, but okay, I want to learn how to cook. And both my parents were super supportive. They're like, great, you know, do whatever you want. Actually, I wanted to be a games designer initially because like I'm a massive nerd. So um, like video games? Yeah. Like video. Oh, dude, Back- we, we need to talk about that. Like, Hold on. Okay. I, so my first computer, um, Back in like, uh, mind you, I'm, I was born in 1990, so like 32, almost 32 in like two weeks. So my older brother, who was born in the 80s, he had a Commodore 64. Okay. So as a kid, like three or four year old, I was playing, like I was playing Commodore. Right? And I remember there's one where you're like a ninja or a samurai and like you're running around like trying to dodge shurikens and stuff. And There's a bunch of like games that like I remember somewhere. Um, and then in 94 or 95, I got a 486, 
Yeah, I think that was the one. You, you, are you aware that I don't recognize these because I wasn't even born yet? I was born in 96. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I'm, a, now I think... I'm a 96er. <laughs> okay. So I did that. And then basically uh, that got upgraded to a Pentium 1. I actually remember my first like standalone video uh, video graphics card, which is a Voodoo 3D FX. Oh, right. With, like, I believe like 8 or 12 megabytes of RAM. This and I'm like, yes. So far back. Um, but yeah, so I started, like, I played, you know, I played, like, the original Doom, uh, Day of the Tentacle, and, like, for older guys who, like, played these games, like, they'll recognize all of them, like, Monkey Island, Man, but, uh, but you've Fallout been doing One. this since, a, yeah, like, since you were a kid. So, yeah, so, and, right, like, th this is where the ADD portion kicks in, which I think a lot of my English, you know, like, I started first grade, right, I'm, like, seven years old, and I speak, like, fluent English. And I watch Cartoon Network, right? Like, and play video games. I still have to this day. I always have two games in my laptop. Always, like it doesn't matter what the laptop is. As soon as I buy a new one, that's the first thing that just gets transferred. Over. And those two games are Fallout Two and two. Heroes, yeah, Heroes of Might and Magic Three, like with all the expansions. So I'm like, I'll I fired up one a couple of days ago. Like you spent two, you know, two hours playing with like a necromancer. For role playing, basically, dude. Um, but yeah, so like, I did. Right, this is like '97. So I played right, like the original Quake with the Quake Two, uh, and then my brother like took me to doing like land parties. You probably never played in a land, or maybe I, how you have, huh? I have because my old school. This is so weird because you'd have Dominican Republic. Keep mm -hmm. this in mind. So this isn't like the states; it's not as heavily regulated. Oh. So. Our computer teacher had every single in our, in our computer pirated, class. Of course, the well, well, they, they probably pirated, but we had 25 computers all had Halo Combat Evolved and we would have la land parties after school. And, so the <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, this so is for, a Christian like, school, by the way. Yeah. This is hilarious. So, hey, so you're, you're like, you're just bringing a. It was just bringing faith to aliens like it works. <laughs> it, it was uh, amazing. So so that, that's my... Funnily that's, enough, I yeah. never got into Halo. Like, I played the single-player ones. I never played multiplayer. So I did... Um, 97 was, like, Half-Life release, which I, which I know is fantastic. I actually beta... Like, not that they targeted me or anything. But like, I beta-tested Counter-Strike. I played version 0. .62. That should go on a resume. Like, like literally, I beta tested that, and then it was 0.69, right? And then it went to 0.72. Then it was, I believe, like 0.9 or one directly. Then it was 1.2 for like the longest time. And then it went to 1.5 a couple of years later. And because I played Half-Life and Quake, Quake's a lot more, right? Like there's no headshots and stuff, but it's, it's very like fast paced. And, and then Unreal Tournament. Right? Yeah, but it's like then like Unreal Tournament released, and I believe that was like 98 or 99. So the camp was basically split between Unreal Tournament versus Quake 2. And it was like a very like Iron Curtain divide. There's like you either play one or you play the other. Like you can either be good at one and play the other. Like how in the late two or like in the late 2000s before 2010s, it was like mm -hmm. you're either you're on the Halo train or the Call of Duty train. Yes, that there's like no in between. Right? Yeah. So uh, I played that and then we actually played, oh, StarCraft. I completely forgot about StarCraft. That was like one of my like full on like Command and Conquer. Uh, 
So your keyboard skills. Have you seen like Korean StarCraft tournaments? These guys are. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Like, I've looked at it. I'm like, you know, if you hypothetically have a girlfriend, you should probably not. But still, like, just the way they can do it. I can still remember. I I still remember the way to build out a base in StarCraft One, depending on the map. And I'd usually play with Zerg because I just like. I like rushing, just being general asshole. Like early game, like oh, let me cripple, let me kill two of your worker drones so I can you know, get a little bit of a head start. I'm like expand, expand, expand. Um, yeah, so basically we ended up playing Counter Strike to a point. Mind you, I'm like probably 12 or 13 at this point. We ended up playing well enough um, to actually end up competing in. This was called. It was like eSports League, like ESG or something like that. This is my, it's like 20 years ago. Um, we played and we placed fourth. And I want to uh, write like all five of us. Uh, won a keyboard and mouse set from Logitech, which I believe was like the Predator or whatever, like released that, like that year. Like the first gaming. Yeah, the first yeah. one that you can yeah. actually... Right, like macros and all that other stuff is pretty normal now. But like 20 years ago, to get a mouse where you can, you know, like zoom and you know do something else or like change your field of view to like, which was fixed later on. But like you could you could bind it to a key where you like zoom and then zoom more, and there are you know change your mouse sensitivity as you zoom in for like better all kinds of nerdy shit. Um, but I still remember it because it was a right. It was a probably like a couple hundred people showed up, and it's it's then basically a massive hall, right? So everybody just know different, like today's esports tournaments, right? Like you see people playing and, you know, they can cheer and stuff like that. So we end up playing against, I still remember it because it was such a, we laughed and we, we ultimately lost, but it was for third place. Uh, the guys, are, or no, it was for the finals qualifier. Uh, so we were playing Dust 2 and I ended up going in the first round, which is key, right? If you're playing Counter-Strike, especially five versus five, if you win the first round, you obviously have a major advantage because you can buy better guns and stuff like that. And I still remember this, which is I probably could use it for like more useful information. The classic um, Counter-Strike map. We we get up on dust two and it was the bomb site to the left of the spawn, which I believe is bomb site A. Um, those guys decide to be cocky and wanted to knife me because it was four versus one. I'm down to like, you know, eight bullets in my USP. So I'm like, I managed to headshot one dude, pull out a knife, hit two of the guys and like stab the, the third guy and get all of them. Coming in and clutch. Basically the entire, yeah, and basically everybody's like, yay, celebrating. The guys are so pissed. Like, Motherfuckers, like, why would you risk this shit? Like, like, why are you treating people as new? Like, they obviously got the human. We're like 12 year old. These guys are like 25, right? Like they're, they're like legitimate, you know, try to be pro counterstep. Maybe they're like 20. Right? They misunderestimated you. Exactly. And it was such a great like feeling. So we ended up winning that map, but then lost the other two. Like got completely crushed. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, but yeah, I probably played like I really stopped playing mostly when I discovered girls. Um, so like a couple of years after that. And then it just like like life got in the way. And like very rarely do I really like I've never played any of the uh, Assassin's Creed series. Which like I've never I played Batman like last year for the first time, which is like a ten-year-old game. The Ar Arkham Knight or Arkham Asylum? Uh, Arkham, whichever the new. I actually played both of them, and I I love the way like it actually worked. It was really really fun, and I'm like, oh, this is like super fun, and I'm you know I'm a rich billionaire being clowns. Like this is you know America. 
Um, I think that's Arkham Knight. Yeah. I think so. It's really cool. So yeah, if anybody wants to nerd about games, like I'm down. I've played yeah. probably every single game. Like I, I know that I did a back to gamble calculation, and I played something like fifteen or two thousand games in that like twenty something time. And the reason for that is not like oh I was like spending money. No, we pirated everything because you couldn't buy it. My only original game that I ever got was a birthday. Because back then, like one, you had to buy yeah, the discs. Yeah, yeah you, you couldn't download them, and yeah, yeah. especially you know nineties. It's like. 56 kilobyte you know like internet be like oh my god that's like the fastest thing ever so my buddy had his dad owned a company that had i think like satellite so i'd give him you know like hey can you pirate all of this stuff and take down you know two gigabytes worth of stuff in you know hour or two or whatever and which like for us today like, that'd be which is like gigab- nothing it's like oh it's like oh okay that's done in you know three minutes yeah, two gigabytes then, then was like two teras today yeah, it's literally, you know, like, okay, I'm going to need the discs, I believe, are like 700, so you need like three discs, but oh. those have to leave a little bit of room so you can't like use all of them. Like actually getting discs was expensive, so, you know, you do the rewritable ones, like RWs, but you also have to be careful, like, you know, the, the I guess integrity of data doesn't always translate and, and then it gets scratched and all kinds of like random BS. <laughs> but yeah, I can totally nerd out about games. What, what's, what? What machine are you running now? Give me some specs. Uh, I have, I only have, like, I haven't had a desktop in probably 10 plus years. Uh, I have a gateway laptop that I got. Uh, it's like the Walmart brand. I got it during, what is it, Black Friday? Yeah, Black Friday is in November. So I got it for about 450 bucks. Um, and it, it like over delivers. So it's got a GeForce GTX 1650. Um, I bought an extra eight Not gigs. Bad. D- no, 16 gigs of DDR4 RAM. So it's, I got 32 DDR4 RAM and it's got a, a AMD Ryzen 4000 series quad core. Right, so, so like pretty solid. You're doing and, pretty all right. Yeah. And like as far as games, like here, I'm just looking at the Steam library like, right now. There's, there's nothing like, like maybe newer, newer games you might struggle with, but there's nothing now that you can't run with that. The thing is, like, I've never been one like, oh my God, the graphics are amazing. Like, I don't care about that. I'm like, is the gameplay actually good? So, okay, so I have Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, Crusader Knights 2, which is always fun. I have Fallout New Vegas. Uh, and it's funny, if you ever played that game yeah. and actually visited Vegas, you can. Like the designers did a fantastic job. Like everything matches. Same uh, goes for Fallout Four with Boston. I've never, I've never played Fallout Four oh, for. Um, like basically, a lot of people I talk to are, like, yeah, it's not really. It's not New like Vegas. It's Fallout in name. It's like it's Fallout in name only. It's it's a like, lot okay, more casual. I don't, don't want to. Yeah, yeah I'm like I don't want to. I don't want to ruin. The um, world is still very rich. So, I played it maybe when I was 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's this part where you're making your way into Boston and everyone's talking about Diamond City, Diamond City, or Diamond City, yeah, it's Diamond City. And it turns out Diamond City is Fenway Park. So it's building up to this, <laughs> building up to this. And when you finally get there, you're like, 
it's Fenway Park. And people live in Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Like it, like a, it's like a shanty town. It's, it's incredible. And, and the world building is still excellent. Sure, they've toned down the gameplay's intensity to make it more accessible, but that, that doesn't take away from the world for one bit. It's, it's incredible. And I think it's just as good as New Vegas, but New Vegas, you, you've got a point there. New Vegas is unbeatable in terms of the way the world is built, the way the mechanics uh, how equipment wears out, how you got to stay hydrated, that stuff like that. It went out the window with Fallout 4. So, yeah. It, that's one of the main reasons why I don't want to, right, like never meet your heroes kind of thing. Like, that. I really don't want to ruin, like I have, I've played it since like Fallout 1, right? Like, so Fallout 1, I played that, Fallout 2. Um, and then basically I did Tactics, which is absolutely awful. Like, do not ever play that. Um, like, it's not <laughs> even, it's just terrible. Never heard of Fallout Tactics? Uh, Fallout Tactics, yeah, it was like late 99 or 2000. And it's closer to like XCOM, like from a from a like turn-based standpoint. Like I actually have XCOM 2, which I think was pretty fun. Uh, Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 3 are pretty fun. I have that as well with like toaster repair. Like why would you get that? But you should probably invest some in it. And I like RPGs. Like I've, I've played... Um, like Baldur's, Baldur's Gate is awesome. I played the game actually like multiple times from like game one, which if you think about Mass Effect, did the same thing, which is genius, right? You can take the same character from like game one all the way to game three yeah. and just like import it, right? So Baldur's Gate did that as well, but this is like back in you know, like 96 or seven or eight is like when the original one released, you can take the characters over the next like four or five years. Um, and obviously there's just stuff that's like completely unbalanced and, you know, you can make a bard that, swings two axes and you know there's a hot halfling or like whatever and build it completely basically game break um oh metro like metro oh yeah was super fun that was like one of the most atmospheric uh games played, i played and i'm like holy shit have you played the new one or well, the new west one no is it really good it it's the best the, the real reason it. is like i don't have time to do all of these yeah. things and i'm like oh yeah i'll play it you know i'll, I'll get like two hours to play now and like i'll do a little bit of it and then i'll revisit it like three months later and forget what the name of the game is like, um i play like i a, played among us too actually that was super fun like where during the lockdown among us <laughs> yeah I mean, that, that one took the world by storm like it was hilarious i love it because you you know a couple of us 2020 and a portion of 2021 right like everybody's kind of stuck at home and i'm like yeah like let's fire this up and just you know, play mind games. It's hilarious. And you can play it on your phone too, which kind of helps. So Metro Metro Exodus, um, you can, I okay. beat it in, in 32 hours. Okay. So obviously that, that wasn't in one sitting. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd be worried I a little bit. I wouldn't survive. I beat it over like two months, uh, playing cool. a couple, couple hours uh, a few times a week. And dude, I really liked Metro 2033 and Last Light. They were great. But this one, it's on a whole different level because they've sort of, well, it's not Metro because you're not in a Metro, but the world beyond the Metro is actually really, really interesting. That there's this, this, the first place you visit or stop at when you leave the Metro, you're on a train all along. The first place you visit is like this community by the Volga River that worships a fish god because there's this fish monster and it sort of goes into 
the primitive instincts of humanity once society has broken down and how they make a god out of what they fear. It's incredible. And it's awesome. Yeah. That sounds really fun. And I love the like I love games like those because it's like world building is very important. Like you can't take you out of you know, he it has to be atmospheric enough. Like I mean, yeah. I've never done any of the VR stuff, but I think like that's gonna that's be amazing for down the line the line, right? Like I've gone you know, into going VR. back from like three like three like, random pixels to like guilty. yeah, I kinda wanna like I, I know there's a spot in Vegas that does that does that. I think it's like a Luxor. I kinda wanna go at some point. It's just like not high on the priority list. Oh, and then if anybody hasn't played this game, um, and you're a big fan of Apocalypse Now, play Spec Ops: The Line. Like yeah. that, the is, twist. Like for yeah, the, for the for a shooter game, it is like I literally sat there, and then obviously for me, like one of the probably coolest, uh, I guess, virtual worlds ever built, like storytelling where everything is Deus Ex. Right, first one all the way to the newest ones. Yeah, the newest ones are a little more arcadey, but it, it still like I still actually have. I bought the Game of the Year edition on like good old games, GOG, for like a dollar. And I'm like, oh, good like, old absolutely. Games. Like, Wait, hold on, yeah. hold on. T tell me about this. What's good old? So games? good old games basically has like old stuff. Typically not not it's not abandonware, right? Like it's still. Like a buck or two for most of the stuff. They have oh. sales all the time. Like I bought the entire like Hitman franchise for like five bucks. And they're selling new games too. Wow, forty-four yeah. cents for for fear. I mean, these yeah. are games I forgot about. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's like old stuff. That's how I bought like the Heroes Complete Collection because they don't need to carry a disc round because it's not like two thousand two. Um, right, it just exists in a library. So anywhere in the world, I can just be like, oh, cool, like let me download this because it's like 500 megabytes. I can have like, instant gratification. Man, I never played Stalker, but I just saw mm. it here for two bucks. I'm not going to miss yeah, out on like, that. Like, hey, I kind of want to try it just because, right? Like, what can you buy for two bucks, really? Like, especially when you break it down into like cost per hour of enjoyment. And it comes down to like, I probably can't enjoy myself three cents an hour like doing anything so this is kind of like cool and these are all going to run great on any machine these days yeah 100 like if, if you've got a pc or maybe even a mac uh from 2014 onward mm -hmm. especially if, if you got on board after ryzen and and like after amd and, and intel started to compete again like there's no way you can't run these games 100 percent I never played Stalker, but I think I might get into it. But then again, all I've played in the last since November has been VR games because I, I got the VR headset and and well let, let me let me count how many games I've bought since November that are VR games. And I haven't played all of them because of course I have. Um one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, sixteen games. Jeez, that's a bit much. Oh man, <laughs> that's sad. Oh, I've, that's no, it's pretty cool. I mean, you, I just can't find the time. Like, I've bought zero games in the last like six to eight months. Same the last here. thing I bought was something I already played, but I kind of wanted to replay. It was a uh, uh, Torment, which is uh, Tides New and Eris. It's like RPG game. 
and I basically played it once. It was here. I'll look at it. Last time I played it was. Last time I played it was library. Sec. Was February fifth, twenty twenty one. So I played it a year ago. <laughs> so exactly a year ago, man. Yeah, shit. The, the okay. reasoning behind VR is that so I work on a very let's say flexible schedule. So like right now it's eight p.m. and I'm working, right? So what vr does for me is it lets me have some game time that i can also count as moving around time because you're not sitting on your ass uh do it sedentary so like uh i never actually looked at it that way but that kind of makes sense yeah so that's the whole justification behind the headset it's like i i want some r and r i want to like be able to relax a little bit and vr can i just call you out and say that's a very very like good explanation of it in a good justification but it's a little thin like <laughs> it is thin. because of exercise really like it's not playing games i'm exercising it is thin <laughs> but it does give me it it gets me moving a lot more than before yeah 100 100 so and because like i can only sit down to play games when i know i've had a great productive day and if i haven't had that or if i'm really busy i'm actually just tired from of sitting and looking at a monitor all day. And I don't want to sit and look at a monitor to play games. So VR lets me leave this space and, you know, just. Yeah, were your parents like, don't sit too close to the TV? Oh, I don't have a TV. Oh, well, I mean, right as a kid, like don't sit too close to the oh. TV. And then, you know, 10 years later we have VR. It's like, yes, let me project like oh, you mean, yeah. directly into your eyeballs. Like, yeah. Well, it's different now because because screens aren't cathode ray tubes projecting uh, this stuff. Like cath cathode ray tubes, I'm not, not. I think they're like if you break a TV screen from back in the day, there's a reason those things were hard. Really, really. Probably, hard. yeah. There's probably there probably is a reason. I remember I remember them being heavy as hell too. Like I haven't. I, I don't have a TV in my house. It sounds so pretentious. So. I've, like when I moved from California, I uh, I wrapped one of the TVs and I was like, okay, cool. And it's been wrapped for, what are we, 10th of February, 2022. So it's been wrapped for over two years. <laughs> it's not a bubble wrap on it. And if I do, like, I don't watch TV. And if I do things like, all right, cool. Like, let me fire up Netflix or like Disney like plus or whatever and like i'll watch like i really love the mandalorian when it came out that was pretty cool it's like a you know super western feel um i don't know what else i watched recently like i haven't watched any of nice. movies. this little fella yeah nice nice yeah, awesome I, I i liked it and i watched some of the like i guess some of the the disney stuff now right like the marvel universe i haven't watched spider-man yet which has only been out for like what four, four months three months now so, I mean, I'm kind of excited to just watch them. It's like, I like good movies um, and they're fun typically. So. Well, I'm behind you there. Uh, Cause I don't watch that many shows. I did watch the Mandalorian. I subscribed to Disney plus for like enough time to, to binge watch. Binge watching for me is like an episode a day. So I, I, I can't really sit down. Cause like I said, I sit here to work. And when mm -hmm. I'm not working, this is not where I want to be. Uh, so, uh 
yeah I, I watched the mandalorian and that was great that's really the last show i sat down to watch uh yeah i think i think i'm the um, same way I, I think that's the last thing i watched and because it was you know an episode was coming every week i wouldn't watch it like right that day but i could still have time you know, to watch it here and there and i like oh no actually that's a lie i watched uh the new narcos uh season uh, I, I i know I what it that. is but that was like really fun and for me just my like my spanish is is usable i just if i spend a couple of days in a predominantly spanish-speaking country like it just everything comes back but i just don't use spanish in my day-to-day have you been so here to the dr i've been to dr the uh, factory and uh, yeah we were in 2020 i did my little birthday one with them which uh general from from the cigar factory actually sent me the prices for the for the boxes so like that's actually happened so the birthday blend is going to have uh 40 it's going to have 47 years of each tobacco in total uh very tiny run hold up uh, the wrapper was is there information online about this uh no no this is like completely and it'll be a super limited run and when i say super limited it's like three thousand cigars in that probably close to two um made in this palato shape, right? The cone six by 50 pyramid. Let, let um, me look it up, uh, just, just to make sure. What, what sure. You... So it's the specialty format. It's it's not published anywhere. I'm really not yet sure what I'm gonna do. I know in my head, like what it's going to look like. And it's gonna be a play on my little SOM experience, right? So it's so an old be... school pyramid, right? Yeah, so it's cone pyramid. So specialty format, yeah. right? So six by 52 cone. Um, and again, I call it specialty because that's, you know, most people have had, had have seen that. I think uh, a recent example of that shape would be uh, the Andalusian bull, I guess. Right? Uh, no, that's way too big because that's like 6.5 so and it's like 58, right? Like it cones down. This is like pull out a, pull up a, a Spalato if you want, like literally a stabbing Spalato. Okay. Spilato yeah, Mareva Spilato number two, yeah. So it looks like it's a coned, coned pyramid, six six down to, you know, 50. How um, did I miss this one? So it was a super limited release. We only made about 10,000 for the entire world, and those have been sold out. So um, we do about 10,000 of them. The original one is... Uh, Marco Village, right from, from Pub Mareva, yeah. picked that one out, and uh, he's really done. Kellner has done an incredible job, and Marco picked a really good one. To this day, I think it's one of my favorite things out of the Stagger portfolio, just because it was so like it hit everything that it needed to. Um, really, probably one of my favorite cigars, but it's also unfair because it was limited, so you don't want to go, Oh, yeah, what do you really like? Oh, you know, the 1992 Oil de Monterey Double Corona was like really solid, it's like one of my favorite cigars. I'm like, yeah, but it's you know, like unobtainable it's, it's so, one of the things that's really hard to explain that the world's best tobacco or at least the perfect tobacco for this blend is finite a lot of the time people don't understand this but a lot of the time the the blends of 2016 have been slightly tweaked to sort of bring yeah back, let's not tell the consumers that you all well, I don't think I know. I know. No, I'm yeah. thinking, um, so, so the yeah, blends right. are a lot mostly, of, yeah, they're mostly the same, but you tweak them a little bit because harvests change. 100%. So. And you're right with this. And I, I think people forget that ultimately, you know, cigars are an agricultural product, right? Yeah. No different than wine. 
and just yes. just like you have vintage variations in wine, exactly. you have tobacco. That's exactly and what I'm getting at. Yeah. The, the, the good thing with Kellner, um, which I which I think is very you know forward thinking of them, he's got massive amount like massive massive amounts of store of tobacco, especially for how tiny his factory is. So he has something like seven to ten years worth of all the tobacco we use in the blends that he can keep it consistent. That's why when you grab a Grand Cafe from 2021 and from a 2020 and from 2016, it's the same. If you tobacco. take the age, if you take the age out, it's basically the same exact thing. Um, the funny part is the so in our Basilica A, uh, we use a 11 year old binder. So it's not actually an 11 year old binder. Now it's a 20 year old. It's from 2001. So when we made the initial one in 2012, because it's the same tobacco from the same harvest. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing because he's got tons of it. <laughs> and we use that on the Rosetta and the Basilica A. And, you know, Jeremy kind of offhandedly mentioned when we were in Costa Rica, he's like, well, yeah, that binder is actually 20 years old. And I'm like, how? He goes, it's the same binder. Like, we're not reusing the following harvest that's aged for 11 years. It's the same exact thing that we've been using for the past you know 10 years and i'm like oh cool like maybe we should highlight that at some point dude and, and, and something most consumers don't really get get to appreciate off the bat is that keeping that same tobacco that long is a lot of upkeep the, like tobacco can age out if you don't store Absolutely. it correctly so Absolutely. so so i mean ever wonder why those 30 year old cubans that uh that you smoked that one time it's like air and armpit it's it's okay for you to say that because yeah like it's really hard to keep these in the in perfect state long enough so that they 100%. keep those can, the, yeah it's, <laughs> i was lucky enough to uh enjoy a couple of cuban davidoffs uh, probably and when i say a few i want to say that's like under 10 total so my my sample size is extremely limited right um i had some that's that's enough for most people. Chateau, it's like Chateau Margaux. I had that from like 86 versus 84. And there were like number twos from 82 or 83, I forget. So I, the number twos were consistently across the board, like incredible. Um, I had one out of those four or five that I smoked. One was just, you could see that it wasn't kept properly. So it, it, it was obvious that it dried out at one point. And when cigars age, um, Sometimes the first like half inch or inch, you might just not get anything. Um, you know, depending on storage, it might have just evaporated a little bit or just losing it, but it gets there, right? Um, so that one was just completely flat. And if I didn't smoke the others before, like I wouldn't have anything to compare to. So I was like, okay, this was, you know, the guy who very generously gave me one. It was like around Christmas or New Year's. And he's like, hey man, like we're gonna celebrate the end of this year. Like, crack open a box he's like caveat emperor like just want you everybody to be aware i don't know what the storage condition is for these sure enough we grabbed them all in you know the collective sigh of like disappointment of like yeah i mean you know you you got a porsche 911 in like perfect condition but then you let it like sit outside next to the sea for like 20 years like and it's just rusted it's uh, a rust bucket at this point like why would you use um so beautiful car right like magic but like you fucked it up on me. um so i'm really like happy with the fact that a like i can kellner 
is a genius for one of the kisses. It's like quality, 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 then probably like three empty spots, then it's quality again. And like consistency, consistency, quality, consistency, but quality in his approach, which is extremely frustrating to us and consumers, like not until it's ready. Like it gets there when it gets there. And it took, you know, took years, especially if people start working with us, we're like, look, it's not ready. It's gotta, it's gonna sit for you know six months. It's gonna be ready when it's ready. But you know that right off the bat, when they get there, they're gonna be consistent. The quality is gonna be exceptional and they're gonna be ready. And every single one of the boxes is a boxy stamp on the bottom. So you go back a couple months and like you figure out when it was rolled. Um, unless we run out of ink, which happened in like 2020. <laughs> Wait, so we ran you, out of ink, so we're like, all right, like we gotta send, we gotta send them a new stamp for that, and if, you know, like silly, silly things like that. So there was a run that like just had no, no boxing dates. So people were like, and especially, I'm right? like, oh yeah, so each one of our boxes is a boxing day, and I'm like, never mind. But like, I can tell you one, I can tell you when they arrived because I imported them, you know, like July 2020 or whatever it was. So like it was probably rolled, you know, January because everything shut down for the rest of the world. How did you guys, uh, uh, and this is this is the last normal question, then we're going to do a quick fire round. Sure. Uh, so how did you guys, I uh, think this is across the board, something COVID somewhat helped in terms of brands connecting with consumers. How did COVID affect you guys? Uh, did you guys uh, get more on board with the digital, on the digital train and connect with consumers? Uh -huh. how, how did you guys... Uh, connect with consumers through COVID. So I, if I'm not mistaken, your brand ambassador, your thing is events. Being I, there. I cover, I cover the, so I'm, I distribute, uh, I'm an exclusive distributor for the U S right. And I cover the entire country. Um, I had a very, very good, I'm forever grateful to, to Robert Colbert for this, uh, this little discussion. You know, he took like 10 minutes out of his time. And he's like, you know, my question is, how'd you get where you, where you got, right? how did you build it from, you know, a small brand to hold, right? He basically said, you know, you got to grind it out for like three to five years doing events and getting it into people's hands. So that was 2018. So 2019, I did something like 60 events and I kept uh, an Excel sheet where I'm like, okay, this is how many people showed up. This is how many people bought. This is how many people tried the cigar for the first time. These are the actual results. And then I'd bug, after I'd finished the event, I would bug my retailers over the next like two weeks. Like, hey, how many people came back to buy this cigar? Blah, blah, blah. And I saw that the return rate was something like almost 90%. Like people who tried the cigar came back and tried another one or bought more. It was like 87% over very the good. display. So I said, okay, like Robert is absolutely correct. And like he did this right. So my goal is to just get it into people's hands. So 2020, I put a very lofty goal of doing 100 events. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out. So we started doing Zooms, all right? The Zoom mania from, I want to say like May or June. Um, one day I basically got Zoomed out. I did Zoom from something like 8.30 in the morning until 2.30 at night, doing it for, um, I think it was a Wednesday because it was Reinhardt's light him up. And if there's a man who, who did a lot for the industry and during that time, I'm just like, an engagement standpoint, I think it's Reinhardt with his light him up. So he would have, you know, people from the industry, right? So he had Carlito, he had everybody, right? Like there, uh, Jeremy was there as well, and a good friend Ian from Dapper. 
um, right? And it's just great to watch him. The downside was that once things kind of returned to normal, it was very hard for me to take an hour or two at like 11.30 on a Wednesday. <laughs> like kind of difficult for me to kind of work that out. 11.30 a.m. Uh, or p.m.? A.m. Because he's in Europe and he's, his thing starts at uh, 6.30, I think, European, 6.30 or 7.30 European time. So right, like three hours and six hours back because I'm on the West Coast. Um, so I tried, I did that. Then we did a small batch, you know, small batch thing every, every week. Um, and then I did someone else to support. Then I did it with my Lebanese guys, Woody and Jad for incredible. They have such an amazing and active community uh, for their Lebanese cigar aficionados. In Lebanon? We did, yes. Absolutely incredible. They actually have a club Mareva there. Uh, Kellner did a, uh, the origins exclusive run for them, which is incredible. Like six by 56. And typically that's not a format that I really go for, but the cigar itself is incredible. It was released with two years of aging. Not that it was planned. It was just the way it worked out. Um, but released with two years of aging, you know, 250 box boxes, 10 counts. It is absolutely incredible. Um, a couple of our, so I've never, I've never had that cigar, right? Cause they're exclusive, but I put them in touch with a couple of our, uh, friends and family here, right. Who were like interested, Hey, could we get a couple of boxes? And I'm like, well, I can put you in touch with them. So I know luxury did a small shipment for their, um, their top, their top uh, level. I think the palladium box, uh, yeah, I think it's the, the, their top tier, right? So they did a small yeah. run for those, uh, smoke in, in Philly, you know, bought a couple and like did it for their members, which is pretty cool. And it's just stuff I didn't have access to. It's like someone approaching and saying like, Hey, can I get some Pony Express? I'm like, you can't, it's Maximar's exclusive cigar. Like you, you can go for them. Like you're welcome to do it, but I can't, like if they want to sell it to you, obviously but like, I, I, I don't handle that cigar. Like even when I want Pony Express, like I'll buy it from them. So it's, it's not, yeah. And it's an incredible cigar. That cigar such a great story. So it took almost two years um, from us talking about it to us fiddling with the blend until we said, okay, it's right. And it had to meet, right? It was our first box press in the entire portfolio. And it's the only box press so far. Um, it was our first exclusive that we've ever done for another, for another retailer, right? And just, it, it took like, it had to meet our standards and their standards. And it was a smashing hit right, right out of the gate, not to use a force fun, but it really did. It was just fantastic, and the response was incredible. Um, but as far as like consumer engagement, we did a lot of zooms, and I try to do like my whole job is I try to do right, just talk with consumers. And sometimes people get, um, especially brand owners who've like never done those events. Like I'll I'll be like, hey, what do you guys have going on? Uh, you know, when's your monthly cigar club? If I, if a lounge has that, right? Like when when is it happening? Oh well, you know it's the last Wednesday of. I don't know the month. I'm like, cool, I'll show up. Like, it doesn't have to be anything special. Like, I'll show up, I'll bring a couple of boxes, like, we'll run a couple of specials. But ultimately, I want to sit down and connect with people because this is a great tool for connections, right? Like, we all enjoy cigars and I really want to meet these people. So, from that, like, legitimate friendships have blossomed. It's not like, oh, I want to sell you stuff. Oh, like, no, man, let's, you know, I live in Vegas now. So, a lot of people come in and I'm like, hey, you know, let me know if you're in town. Um, especially, I mean, the same for the viewers. Like, if you guys are in town, please feel free to reach out on, I guess, the Vlad the Psalm Instagram is probably a better one. Reach out. If I'm in town, I'd be happy to meet you guys for like, hey, let's have a drink. Let's have a cigar. Like, no pressure. Like, we'll talk about, you know, like, no different than what we're doing now. It's not going to be like, oh, let's talk about stuff, especially during the convention, right? 
So we get, you know, I talk about cigars for 10 hours and then I go for a drink and I'm like, man, I don't want to talk about cigars. Like, hey, like, what's a great restaurant you've been to recently? Like, do you have any pets, right? Like random stuff like that. You have dogs. I've been hearing them. Uh, no, it's, I think it's my, uh, my neighbor's oh, uh, man. stuff. I don't. So uh, I was, uh, my ex-wife and I, the dog came in the package and we absolutely loved him. Uh, his name was Scrappy. He passed away in 2019 at 18, almost 19 years old. Yeah, a little schnoodle who's the most like funniest, intelligent dog, one of the most absolutely like mischievous dogs I've ever had. And I grew up around him. I had a Doberman as a kid. Um, then we had three fox terriers that we kind of like kept them all in the family, right? So it was uh, grandma, mom, and then granddaughter. Like my brother took the, the granddaughter, my mom took the, the, the mother, and like when she had her second litter, and you know, the I don't know if I should show you the picture. Yeah, okay. I don't know if it'll see it. So this is. You could send it to me, uh, and I'll just super superimpose it for the people at home. But I'll I I, I, I get to see it here. This is gonna be scrappy, like right? That's scrappy. So that was scrappy. And then I'll pull out uh, Zada. Let me find her. Zada means star, if I'm remembering right. I just saw him. I was just there in, in, in September. Uh, let me find her. Isn't this the dream, like getting to no. <laughs> look at dogs on the phone? I've yeah. got your quick fire questions ready. So when you sure, so this is right, like this is the most. This is like the picture. Oh, and she's like 14. She looks like a little puff of energy and just hair. Because it's September, like you want to keep her warm too. Okay, I'm ready for the first fire question. All right. So <clears throat> you said you wanted to be a chef. Mm -hmm. So this is, I wasn't planning on asking this one, but you just walked into it. What's your biggest screw up in the kitchen? Um, probably very early on. So this chef I used to work with, and I've never actually encountered this particular preparation ever again. He used to do saffron, <laughs> saffron and ginger French fries. Like that was one of his like signature dishes. Um, really? saffron is expensive, like extremely expensive. So when I finally went from, you know, washing dishes to like prep cooking, he actually let me approach the stove. He's like, all right, you're making French fries. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like 16, maybe 17 at this point. So I, you know, like we're, we're working on the French fries and I take like probably like 50 bucks worth of saffron and like just throw it in there. And then I pour ginger over it. He, he's just watching you, right? He didn't say anything. He's like, he's like, did you taste that? And I'm like, no. He's like, okay, taste, season, retaste. That's how it works. Like do not ever forget this. Taste, season, retaste. He's like, taste it. I taste it, my mouth's on fire, right? Because like, I basically mm. used like a spoonful of something you were supposed to put with tweezers. He's like, so this is a fuck up. Like, this is unsalvageable. Like, we can't send this to the rep. We can't send this to the guest because your mouth's on fire, right? Like, he's like, have a little bit of water. So I took water. He's like, yeah, water ain't helping, huh? I'm like, no. It's like, here's a little bit of milk. I'm like, okay, drink that. It's fine. He's like, you want to be careful. You want to respect the ingredients. You don't want anything to be overwhelming. And, you know, you wasted about 50 bucks worth of saffron. And I'm like, shit. The saffron is one of the most expensive. I think it might be the most expensive thing by weight in the world. 
Like it's more expensive than like really. I'm yeah, like you, you can Google it. Um, you know what? I'll Google it too because I'm like I'm pretty sure that's cost per gram is six dollars and seventy nine cents. So yeah, a kilo of saffron basically comes out to fifteen hundred bucks. Uh, okay, sorry. Real saffron can cost over ten grand per kilogram. So yeah, I literally used like fifty bucks worth of stuff, and I, I put like you know very. I was trying to salt bay before salting. Um, but yeah, that's probably the yeah that's probably like the biggest um, screw up. I do have like one of my biggest saves, which I didn't cook, but I go I'm for very it. proud of it. So my friend Julio, when we were in Mexico. We imported something, I think like four grand worth of foie gras. So he put it, he put it in the oven and something ended up happening. He forgot about it and basically it melted. It was completely screwed up. So it's like 2 a.m. in the morning. We're supposed to do a Cancun Food Wine Festival the following day. And he's like, you know, he basically like, I'm screwed. Like I'm getting fucked. And I'm like, Julio, wait, let's, let's think about this. Like, I know what my friends used to do. It, it wasn't foie gras but it was chicken liver uh sparkling mousse he's like what he's like well one of the chefs i used to work with used to do this he'd make pate he'd throw some right like cook it he'd throw some sparkling wine in there and then throw it in the fridge and the air bubbles basically get trapped inside and you get a super creamy texture um with like air bubbles in there so it's airy at the same time while being creamy and it's such a weird texture he's looking and he's like well, fuck, I got nothing else to lose. Like, let's try it. So I go to the bar, grab like six or eight bottles of Prosecco. And like, we dump it all in there. He throws it in the fridge. And by this time, it's like 3 a.m. in the morning, right? Like, we have to transfer all of this stuff. And I'm like, Julio, like, do you want me to stick around? He's like, no, man, it's like almost 3.30. Like, go home and see you in the morning. So sure enough, I show up in the morning. And I'm like, all right, let me help you scoop. Let me self-present it. It's you know, those classic, like, white, white, like, banquet spoons. So we did it on there. It was a massive hit like massive hit because people love me and it actually worked out so that's probably like my biggest save in the kitchen nice. uh, that, yeah. it's a bigger save than than uh than the saffron fail yeah but it's such a it's like such a last minute thing and i'm like shit and i worked out people loved it they really clutch it. players it make clutch moves yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah as far as like cooking uh cooking stuff in the kitchen i mean like I burn stuff, obviously, and things like that. And mostly because I'll chuck things in the oven. Like I look at them like, oh, I, you know, I have an oven at home. Like I'll never use it. Well, like it's probably my number one use thing. Like, yes, everybody has a favorite stove burner, but like the oven is such a fire and forget kind of thing. You put it in there, you put a timer and then go. Um, but then whatever ends up happening, you end up burning something. I'm like, whoopsie, this isn't salvageable. So like, let me go and order pizza. <laughs> I'm guilty of the latter. Just order stuff. <laughs> dehydrated meals that, that's that's all i'm cooking dehydrated stuff it's so I, I like a lot of stuff i try to eat healthy and i typically eat quite a bit even though i'm like you know, i'm relatively skinny I'm like 180 pounds whatever that is like 80 kilos um but during covid 2020 when i got it initially i was training like three to five times a week right like healthy blah 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 i got it and it was like sick for like a month I lost probably like 15 pounds, like 10 kilos, like almost 10 kilos of pure mass. And I haven't been able to, A, like exercise consistently as I'd like, but also like I haven't been able to get it back for a while. I was like 
170 pounds, which is I've never been that light in my life. Ever since like, you know, I'm a teenager. Don't you feel springy and, and more agile though? No, I just feel weak. Like that's like, I, I especially after, so after I had COVID, it took me almost a month. Um, I'd get winded, you know, I'd, I'd exercise a couple of times a week and I did like one push up and it was like, oh, gasping for air, like help, help, I fall and I can't get up. Um, and then about, I think like late May is when I actually could start exercising again. So I went uh, like indoor bouldering, right? Like climbing, this is the shit. Like it plays to your like monkey part of the brain. So it's like, and it's super fun, like super challenging, it's full body exercise. Plus I could cheat a lot because it's mostly about using your legs and quads. And for my rowing, like I still have very, very strong quads. So I can, you don't have, you need your core strength and your quads. It's not about the actual like strength in your arms because you don't get as much out of it right like it's the pink um and then last no that was like late december 2020 uh i hurt myself like i hurt myself like i just fucked it up and i've been recovering ever since i've been bouldering a couple of times but like i've tried and i actually lost my footing um on i was like probably 15 20 feet up and i lost my footing and uh it's not this i should have probably had my g-shot I reached out, banged my watch against the ledge, and I was like full on like Spider-Man hanging in the middle. And I'm like, shit, 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 shit. So I got down and I'm like, and I, I sprained something when I did that. Like I think I like ended up just basically like spraining my like trap back here or something. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And I really haven't done it, which is one of the things I was actually gonna spoke to supposed to find me today. Like How long I, was like, this was uh this was November of last year. So for whatever reason, I keep hurting myself in, in the like fall to winter months. So again, you just walked into the next question. Mm -hmm. The dumbest way you've been injured. And I'm guessing you've already answered this one. Um, no, no, no. I have way dumb things than that. Uh, so between, I actually instituted a rule change because of how stupid that injury was. So we were playing... So, fo football or rather soccer right so i used to train rowing like i said and i was like it's 14 football. or 15 and it is football um which is funny because super bowl is in like two days three days so we were playing uh we just finished a race and we won that one and we had a like 15 minute rest period then we did a second race and we qualified for whatever it was it was like the next one that's like three months from now and then we had like a month uh, i think it was an hour between the next race. So we decided to play soccer, right? Like five against five in, in like the enclosed little ball, right? So we start playing and I'm standing, I get the ball and I have my right leg on the ball. And the guy goes, again, it's a friendly, right? Like we're screwing around. It's not like we're playing. The guy makes a two-footed tackle from behind. Cleats up? Yeah, like, which is like, you know, red card sure. anywhere. Yeah. He basically pulled a Winnie Jones. And I, I saw him and I managed to move my left leg in time, but he sweeped my left leg a little bit. And I basically went full, full force in my right leg, which had no real right. It was resting on the ball. So I turned around and had a, a twist fracture, breaking my tibia. And I'm laying there and, and right, like everybody's like, no, you're fine. You know, it's just a little. Oh, and they made you get up. Uh... Well, no, they grabbed my ankle 
and like started twisting around and ended up breaking my ankle. Mind you, this is like still super like right the adrenaline of the shock you're not really feeling it and it wasn't an open injury right like so it wasn't like fractured like the bone was sticking out so i get up and i'm like i think i'm okay so i try to stand on my leg and just topple over and we're like yeah that kind of stuff so my dad picks me up takes me over to uh takes me over gets my right like you get a cast basically goes all the way up to my uh, all the up, all the way up to my hip because i can't move it and and at the same time, right? So his his friends in orthopedic surgeons, so like he took care of me, but at the same time, right? Like I'm 15, he gets a teaching class in, right? So everybody's like, oh great, this is like a great example. Like come right in. And there's like 30 people in the room, right? It's like 20 girls. I'm, you know, like basically naked. And they're like putting a cast over me and like suturing the the fractured, or not the fracture, but like where the skin like burst a little, like so they're suturing that and they're and having a blast with, I like, bet. you know i'm like this kind of sucks so you come back and right they lose their shit because i was the um i was the first position right so i was the actual like leader in the, in the boat and they basically banned all soccer at all times and the in the rowing club <laughs> that's a that was a, what i was about to suggest it's probably the worst part you ruined it for everyone and everyone uh -huh. remembers you as vlad the guy who ruined yeah. soccer for the rowing team well to my defense like it wasn't really i didn't ruin it the guy who went like to put it in there basically ruined it and i'm like my whole question like we're friends we're friends right and you're like bro why would you like that's completely unnecessary He's like, yeah, but you know, it looked pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, but he broke my fucking leg. Like, it's kind it of looked pretty. That's what. That's how he. He looked pretty cool. Yeah, but keep in mind, we're also like dumb teenagers. Like, like looked pretty cool. Like, you know, he slid all the way. It was like full on FIFA '98, like sliding tackle. Like press a, uh press square a, to like tackle a, from behind. It is square, dude. You're yeah, on, you're on um, point. But yeah, it was just stupid. I'm mean, like. That, that's stupid. I have a couple other ones which are probably like not safe for work. Um, that's how I actually managed to break my rib. Um, but I, I can I can tell that in person if someone meets me in Vegas. Okay. Okay. So you got it, guys. <laughs> I mean, this podcast can be an NSFW, but uh, let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Okay. What quote or saying, and after this is the second to last one. What quote or saying do people spout, but is complete BS? Um, huh. That's a tough one. Um, I'm a big... Huh. I don't really know. I got to think about that one. Like, I know which ones I kind of really enjoy and like I think one of those are like huh. I think I would put and, and this requires an explanation it's like hey you know like hey follow your dreams like yeah absolutely like absolutely you should follow your dreams but sometimes it just doesn't work out so you know don't give up that may be a better explanation be like sometimes it's good to call it a day and say hey let me like take another look at this maybe this isn't the right way to do it and you know just kind of kind of reevaluate things mostly because i'm a you know i'm just like my dad uh, i'm headstrong like i'm very stubborn 
but as I've grown a little bit older, I don't want to say wiser, but like, let's call it old, like older, that's better. Um, right. I've started, and you know, when you're a kid and like you're growing up, yeah. like, I don't want, you know, I'm the smartest guy ever. Like, yeah, you, you think know, you know everything, so, and as you get older, you realize. exactly, and and especially with my dad, he he give me his advice, and because I would do my own thing anyway, regardless, he used to follow it up with basically, um, you know, like, hey, this is what I would do, blah 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 blah, but you know, I know you're gonna do whatever you're gonna do in the end, so do whatever the hell you want. And initially, I would typically do just like that, and I think probably around like 24, 25, I was like, huh. Like maybe this person who's been on this planet for, you know, 40 years more than me, like maybe he's got a point, like, let me stop. And like, it's good to learn from experience, from your own experience, but it's even better to learn from someone else's. Like, especially if you're, you're going to do something that's dumb. Like that's a, that's a very, very good way of like, Hey, let me, you know, let me look at this from another way. One of his, I'll try and translate one of the, my, my favorite sayings from him. And I'll, I'll try to like, translate this verbatim he's you know i had this uh, uh this wasn't really business it was like personal related and i'm like well hey you know like how can i figure out if like someone's trustworthy right he goes well two things like trust is like virginity so you only lose it once right so even if you get it back it's never going to be the same wait i need to write that one down <laughs> my dad's spouting wisdom and then the other one is He's like, that being said, the only way to figure out if you can trust someone is to trust someone. Yeah. Like very straightforward. And, and it applies to everything, right? right? Like personal relationships, friendship, business. And it, it ultimately ended up being, uh, I actually remember what the, what the premise of that one was. So I did my little, um, oh, this is what I did. Uh, when I started my little consulting gig, I guess when I was like 20, um, I did my two stints in the U.S. I had my Psalm thing. So a restaurant owner approached me and said, hey, you know, you're recommended. I'd like you to make wines. So I said, okay. He's like, what would you charge? And I sat down and thought about it. And he's my first client, right? Like, I have no idea, especially when you're like starting to freelance. You don't yeah. know what it's worth. And you become a yes man to everything. Well, that's the way I looked at him. I said, how about this? I'll do your wine list for free. But if anybody asks you what it cost, I want you to say, I won't go into details. It was expensive, but it was like incredibly worth it. He's like, he said, I'm okay with that. And he gave me, he's like, you know, whenever you want to have dinner, it's on the restaurant. I'm not that type of guy. So I maybe use it like once in two years. And I still like maintain the list, right? Like we developed a very good friendship. But out of that first gig, we had, I had another three referrals that actually charged for it and like made money. And the way I did it was rather than just be a flat upfront fee, I said, hey, how about this? Like we can either do a flat front up fee or I'll maintain your list. Like I'll come in once or twice a month, look at your inventory, look at your sales, like do any training needed and I'll maintain it. It's basically like a little dividend income, right? So at one point I managed to have like six or seven people all dropping you know, I was making basically two or three times the average wage just from those little gigs on the side. They were all like, you know, 50, 60 bucks a month, like something that nobody's going to feel. Mastering from a, from the a, Netflix strategy before. Yeah, it but cool. right. Like someone's, it was low enough that they're getting a lot of value out of it. And realistically, it took me 20 minutes to like look through their sales and be like, okay, this, this, and this, 
you bought this 30 days ago, you haven't sold a single bottle, why? You're pricing off, like, do you need to run a special? Like, are you waiting for a particular customer? Like, you're already making enough margin on this. Like, what would, like, do you want to make a special around it? Something, right? Like, I'm like, hey, you're, you're pouring this, but there's a better alternative to this that's also cheaper, and you could probably charge the same amount of money. And for them, they're getting great value. And for me, I'm sitting on my ass, basically, and like, it's an extra, you know, when you're a kid, especially over there, where the average wage is kind of probably 300 bucks, three, 400 bucks. I was probably getting between six to 900 bucks a month just from that while like having an, an extra gig on the side and like a little time to school and everything else. It obviously took like a little while to build, but it worked out great. And like the reputation was like, hey, the guy's really, really solid and he's, you know, super responsive. He's very, very much on it. Like, oh, cool. So it worked. <laughs> Man, you know what? You just taught everyone here a lesson. Hey. Uh, I actually, I, I, I want to, I didn't like come up with the idea, but I read about this guy in, I want to say New York and he's not hospitality. He's a, uh, architectural designer He's an architect. So what he used to do for restaurants or maybe it's Chicago, um, again, I forget this is 10 plus years ago, but I read about the guy where he basically said, Hey, you can either pay for me to design this thing or I could take a small cut and it's like one or 2%, right? Like nothing major from a like equity standpoint and I'll do it for free. So the guy ended up having multiple restaurants bringing him in revenue that ultimately just cost him his time, right? Like obviously the restaurant pays for all the other stuff. And he's like, look, man, I'll put you in touch with my suppliers. We'll organize all of this. You're paying basically, you know, purchase price, right? Like the wholesale price and that's it. So everybody ended up winning and he had, you know, a passive income stream that he didn't do anything. Do anything. And then, you know, when you ever show up to a place like that, the owner manager her would be like, oh, by the way, have you met so-and-so? He's like the guy who designed this place, which is super impressive if you take someone on a date or a business lunch or a dinner. Yeah. It's, it's... Speaking of dates, this is one of the questions that came up on the first date I had with my girlfriend. How do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza? Hmm. So... I don't particularly mind. I think it can work. Will I order it? Probably not. Um, I think pineapple works because of its combination of acidity and sweetness, right? It can counteract a lot, a lot of stuff that's already on there, depending on the sauce that you make, stuff like that. I think it works. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't be as popular. I don't think it needs to be polarizing, but it's a cool, it's a cool question. Um, ultimately, you know, like, cool, I'll eat it. Will I order it? Probably not. Like, I, I don't think I've ever ordered. Oh, no, that's a lie. I ordered a Hawaiian pizza once the first time it was in the U.S. because, right, like, I've never had it before. So I'm like, and it was, I think it was like Domino's. Don't, like, judge. But it was, like, terrible pizza. Um, but I'm like, cool, right? Like, it was a cool experience. And I'm like, okay, this is something I don't have to repeat. Like, I'll try anything once. Like, I've done, I mean, like, tarantula and, like, uh, and, and uh, eggs or larvas, like, deep fried. And it just, it's like, closest thing i compare it to is like orzo pasta or couscous like basically that really mexico. yeah we're in mexico like this uh san diego also has a restaurant that's called like uh, how, how do you how do you prep them not not fried right what the the eggs yeah or, or yeah the eggs were deep deep like they were deep fried right and, and it so comes just, out like orzo? it comes just like super super fried like the little eggs like this big basically like, and you know you can just eat it 
it, I think the texture, I think I could, I think I compared it the right way. It's kind of like couscous or, or like orzo, uh, orzo pasta, maybe like, maybe like bigger from a texture standpoint, but it's, it's kind of like that. And then, again, I tried it in Mexico because it was like, hey, Cancun Food and Wine Festival, like we're doing all kinds of like, we're bringing chefs from around the world. We're using local ingredients, indigenous stuff, like things that people might not have tried. And ultimately, why not? People have been eating insects for thousands of years. Like, why would it be weird apart from, right? Like the shock now, it's like, oh my God, you're eating insects. Or everybody else is eating them. So it's not really, one thing I couldn't do, and, and I know my, I couldn't do, uh, what's it called? It's like, I think, Balud or blued the little like egg where basically right like the fetus forms in an egg and I think it's like Southeast Asia somewhere like that's the one thing I hear that in the mac and cheese from them like, what's like it called mac and let me look uh, it up either balud or blued b a l u d um like like egg like just add egg to it here I'll Google it too. I found it. Oh man. Oh, oh, oh. It's balut. Okay. Yeah, so, it's like, yeah, that, that thing's already a <laughs> Yeah, I guess you get the extra crunch from like the beak and stuff. I'm like, what? I can't, like, I can't do it. And it, to me, it sounds like they're hustling the guero here. Like they're like, this is really tourist and shit. I think I think I think I don't know, man. I I'm think that, no. I, I it doesn't look good. appetizing at all. And right, like all the disgusting looking stuff is always an aphrodisiac. And I'm like, yeah, I think when you can't find <sighs> some, some other way to like sell it, it's like, oh, it's got special powers. Oh yeah, it'll it'll make you more macho and it'll make yeah. her more foxy or I'm, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm good without it. Is it an aphrodisiac? I bet that probably is. Oh, apparently you can find it in New York, and it's the strangest thing you can find in New York. Cool. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't think it's cool. <laughs> I mean, you want a bonus question? Yeah. All right. Uh, if your life had a theme song, what would it be? Ooh. I'm stuck <coughs> between Eye of the Tiger. Okay. And no, I'll just stick with that. I think that's like. You sure? Don't cool. don't let this be yeah, one of yeah, those. Yeah, I think it's cool. No, I, I thought about some other, but they're all like relatively. Uh, no, I'll stick with that. I'll stick with that. That's that's the one. All right. I have the tiger killing it. Well, I guess there's another one. That says, "What's your favorite '90s jam?" <laughs> Is I the tiger from the '90s? Oh no, it's not. Uh, Californication <sighs> from Red Hot Chili Peppers first cassette i've ever bought i know most people don't even remember it you changed like, it you, you switched it up well it, i have a tiger isn't from the 90s it's, it's from a, the 80s okay so 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 you answered the other question got yeah, yeah 82, i would do i, I would do californication from uh red hot chili peppers man you've it's got like good first, taste i've i've listened like that's the first album right i'm like seven years old that i bought and really loved it and it's a great it's a great album Think of Californication. Yep. I'm yeah. not going to sing because the last time I did karaoke, and this is a true story, um, I was singing uh, Kiss, I Was Made for Loving You because I fucking love that song. It's a great karaoke song, and most people are like, heard it, but don't really know it, like off the top of their head. And I was like, belting it out. And it was a friend group, maybe like 10 of us, like mostly couples, only a couple of guys I didn't know there. I knew their uh, right, like female counterparts, but I didn't know them. And and impressive. Goes, That's an impressive song for the ladies. He goes, he goes, man, 
um, you take requests. I'm like, yeah. He goes, puts his arm on my shoulder. He goes, please stop. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I laughed about you. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get you beer. And I was like, I do love karaoke, but I have on a scale of one to ten, my singing talent is like minus four, like oh. off key. My top. So we were in Serbia, uh, and I remember this because it was like a rocker, like hard rock slash rocker bar, like punk as well. Um, and we ended up doing karaoke. My guy, my friend got uh, his heart like broken, like he just broke up with his girlfriend, and we're all kind of drunk. And he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna sing November." I'm like, "Bro, it's not the like." spot for that and he's like no no come on let's do it so he gets on stage and like we tell the dj and he's like fine so he starts singing and he's like come up and i'm like okay so i come up and we start singing and at one point people are like starting to boo and i'm like what the fuck is going on like i know we're like we're drunk and everybody else is drunk but it's not that we actually had beer bottles thrown in so that's how bad it was and I turn around and realize it's it's a completely different song he started playing welcome to the jungle right the completely different like everything about the song so i'm like like man it's the wrong song and my meanwhile he's like completely is an element drunk and like keep singing so i get off the stage and i you know this is like i want to say like college like 18 or 19 at the time and my college girlfriend was there like like the rest of the friends group and they were all like like i cannot be seen in public at this place again but uh, and then I got a standing ovation when I when I sang a Serbian song in Plaza Carmen at 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I sang in Serbian, obviously, and everybody was so drunk. I got a clapping ovation, even though in the background it was like the place was called La Cucaracha. So literally, <laughs> in Serbia. Like, yeah, like I, 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 I sang in Serbian this place called La Cucaracha and got a standing ovation. Like I even got a round of beers. Modelo. So awesome. I'll tap myself in the back and say, hey, you know, so could have gone two L's and a W. Mm-hmm. That's fair. 100%, 100%. Glad I've loved having you on the podcast. You've broken Thanks, the son. record for the yeah, yeah, this is the longest episode yet. And I can't believe we had so much fun. In, we never really talked about cigars, so that's even better. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Like, think about it. When you sit down and have a cigar, you only talk about the cigar itself. Or, exactly. There's only so much you can say until your personality bleeds out and, and, and yeah, and, and stuff. <laughs> Dude, it's been a lot of fun having I you I had a here. blast. I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to hear like how it actually all came out. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to share it and then get all the DMs and be like, bro, what the hell? <laughs> I, I'm, I, it, I'm just going to say I might miss some of the cues that I said, oh, I'll put a picture in here I'll, because – it doesn't matter because the podcast was great. The episode was great. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. If you've made it this far, you are a huge fan, like no doubt, of my cigar pack of Casdagli. So thank you so much for joining thank you us. Guys. And we'll do a, you know what, just if you've suffered through the entire thing and you got to the <laughs> credits, uh, we'll do, I'll ask Alex to just raffle off like maybe two five packs or maybe three, four packs. Of, let's use the Corona Gorda because it's one of my own favorites. And, you know, my favorite size. So we'll raffle that off and yeah, I'll let you guys figure out how to do it. I, I know you've done the random yeah. like number generated thing. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so- I'll check. I'll, I'll definitely do that. So thanks for listening, guys. This is awesome. I had such a blast. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us.
and uh well we usually ended up with two fingers people can take it however they wish yeah yeah exactly enjoyed this episode or any other one from the podcast check out our website mycigarpack.com and cigaryard.com where we provide the most dynamic cigar subscription service in the market by collecting the world's best cigars and delivering them to your door and a enhanced online shopping experience when buying your cigars or learning from the culture subscribe to this channel share it with your friends and family and would love to hear your thoughts you can contact us through our websites Check it out, mycigarpack.com and cigaryear.com, our YouTube channel, the podcast. It's all an ecosystem. See you soon.